This is LBC, leading Britain's conversation with Steve Allen. Tweet at LBC. Text 84850. Steve Allen on LBC. Morning, everybody. It's Tuesday. It's the 12th of May. It's going to be quite a nice day, actually. Yesterday wasn't too bad at all. Didn't get the car washed, but did get the VAT done. How cool was I yesterday? Prince Harry's confessed to the, just about anybody who wants to listen to him. He'd love to have kids right now. Big problem, of course. No girlfriend, dear. You need a girlfriend first of all, don't you? Kelly Brooks on the hunt for a new acting job. I think hell will probably freeze over first. Uh, Farage is back in UKIP, out of UKIP, back in UKIP. I don't know. Lord Sugar has quit Labour. He said he didn't want to say anything during it, but he's had a run-in with them before. Uh, women look their best at ten past six on a Monday morning. So this morning you must be looking absolutely chronically awful, because it's Tuesday. Oh, and the beautician jailed for the hit-and-run at 60 miles an hour. The con man let out of jail, and then he goes right back and uh, commits the same offence again. This time, having robbed this poor old lady of seven grand, he goes to prison for it. Uh, he goes back and takes another 50. He doesn't learn, does he? He's a stupid person. And if you want a tasty meal, rotate your plate. Do you know I do that? I rotate my plate. Yesterday I had that Thai green chicken curry again, because I could eat that. If there was nothing left in the world apart from Thai green chicken curry, I'd be the one eating it. And I had it yesterday with mushrooms and, uh, I was going to say wild rice. Looked pretty annoyed anyway. And, uh, and that was just... And I kept turning the plate round to find another bit of it, because it's just so tasty. <laughs> so tasty. 84850, steve at uk. Uh, the Burke is back again. This time, of course, I mean, proving that she's not all there in the upstairs department, and you know what that means. Uh, she's pictured her face contorted in tears. <laughs> poor me, poor me, poor me. And uh, the, uh, the wife of the man that she had this uh, affair with has just referred, referred to her as a, an ego... She said, I, I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't uh, dignify her by saying anything at all to her. She's, uh, she's quite ghastly. She says, you have to have a heart to have it broken. I mean, I think we all realise exactly what Sally the Burke is. She's an attention-seeking egomaniac. She doesn't have one iota of thought for her children, her husband, nothing like that. She's had the high life for years. Seriously, the high life for years. I mean, you know, they've spent a fortune on these grace and favour apartments. It's all been very nice. She uh, she started off, you know, doing the photo draped in that sheet, which, you know, was a little bit of an attempt. We should have seen the cracks. We should have seen the cracks because they were starting then. Then she wanted to be in the newspapers. Then she got to be on the television. Then she hung around with that ghastly Paddy Doherty bloke from My Big Fat Gypsy Wedding. Uh, he then sort of, you know, moved into one of her places and stayed with her for a while. And then she moved into one of his caravans. I mean, the whole thing was just ghastly. She's just a pathetic waste of space. I don't think there's a columnist who sided with her in any of the papers today. And I've read all of them. I've been through. They've all said, I mean, she said, whether or not you believe it, I don't know. Divorce me, John, or I'll divorce you. She said she's going to divorce him for unreasonable behaviour. I suppose the unreasonable behaviour being that she hated Westminster. Not only did she hate Westminster, I think Westminster hated her as well. They're not wildly keen on him. A pal revealed that she had this affair, and uh, anyway, the, the man who she allegedly had the affair with has now gone back to his wife. And so Sally the Burke, sort of contorted with, with pain and tears and everything else, has basically got nothing. Nothing at the end of it. What has she got? She doesn't appear to have a marriage to John, who's having to put up with this shenanigans. Um, her children must be deeply, deeply embarrassed. And she's got nothing. Nobody likes her. She's not exactly a, the most popular person in the world, but it's all of her own doing. It's not of anybody else's doing. She's brought everything on her own head. 
Sad though it might be. But as I said before, she's probably getting an agent. I should imagine she'll probably be out there. She'll be on a reality show shortly because they like putting people like that on there. They're what's coming known as victims. Well, she thinks she's a victim. But all she's had is she's had a, a high life inside Westminster. Do you know what she hated the most about Westminster? Having to check in through security every time. Blimey. Kind of give up, don't you, really? But anyway, I mean, perhaps we'll see the end of it by the week. But I fear not, ladies and gentlemen, I fear not. Prince Harry, in another one of these terribly tedious interviews... He is 30, isn't he? He's not 15 or something. I'm getting this right. He's 30 years old. He's hinted that seeing William's happy family made him want to settle down. Unfortunately, Harry's a bit of an old ligger. He likes the old sherbets. He likes going out there. I think he smokes as well. He likes having a bit of fun with the old girlies, you know, because he's Prince Harry. He doesn't want to settle down at all, but this is what the palace have obviously told him. And this is why they've got this machine which is doing the rounds. And the machine is, let's try and paint Harry in a good light because we're going to lose William. When I say lose him, he's gone to Norfolk. You're not going to be seeing too much of him. He wants a quiet family life. When his turn comes to uh, take over... You know, Buckingham Palace, he will just do it. It'll be fine. Him and his wife want a quiet life with the two kids. I should imagine there could even be another one. And Harry's just the, the old drunk who occasionally they have to sober up. They push him into an environment and uh, it's photo opportunity time. That's all it is. It's damage limitation. So he says, oh, well, that'll be nice. He, he thinks that there is pressure on him. I don't know what pressure there is. A privileged lifestyle. Never has to want for anything. Never had to sort of worry about, do I get my hair cut today? How much do I pay for it? Have I got any money in my bank account? Doesn't need to worry about anything like that at all. Normal things that you worry about in your life. He doesn't have to think about that at all. All they need to do is find a girlfriend that can put up with his shenanigans. And I suspect that uh, most of them can't. For a little while it's okay. And then you can say, guess who I've been with? You know, I've been with, with Harry. And that's and that's about it. He's, he's had a fair number of girlfriends, hasn't he? I don't begrudge him that. But, I mean, don't go bleating on about, you know, I want to settle down and have children. Because you need to have the girlfriend, first of all. Uh, the cheap joke on the television uh, is, of course, Joey Essex. The saddest, stupidest person in the entire world. Who isn't remotely bothered by what anybody says about him. But then if you're that thick, you wouldn't care about it, would you? It's a bit sad that his programmes don't rate. Uh, he might be putting money in the bank, but if that's the be-all and end-all, you might as well go out and rob something. Uh, and then you had a, a load of other people. I mean, I don't want to talk about elections anymore because most of you seem to be so bored by it. But uh, over at uh, Good Morning Britain, we have to bring it to your attention. The spirit of Fiona Phillips lives on in the shape of Benjamin Shepherd, an urn half-empty kind of a guy. Never quite full. The other day, some lovely news there for Adele, but... Not such good news for Errol Brown. That's what he said. You know, so uh, I suppose the next line would have been, and you'll have to say the hot chocolate reunion's looking a bit far in the distance now. It's not going to be happening. I mean, he isn't... When I saw him doing something on the election, I did look at Benjamin Shepherd and think, I think you're so far out of your depth now, you're drowning in the quicksand. Not particularly good. Not particularly good. But, uh, but interesting. Interesting. Nice to see uh, loads of other people on the television. Um... Great TV lies and delusions for the week. BBC One, election 2015. Paddy Ashdown. My hat is very safe at the moment. <laughs> ITV, Jonathan Ross. I've come back because I love Celebrity Squares. And uh, wait for this one. Brace yourself, fingers and ears. If you don't want to be uh, doing your la-las by yourself. Uh, on Give a Pet a Home and Peter the Intelligent, Andre. I've done a lot of strange things, but plucking hairs out of a cat's testicles is not one of them. I suppose the big question really is, how do you explain the noises on all those dreadful albums of yours? I know Peter's really popular. 
with himself and uh, and Ems, his girlfriend, and the and the children. But luckily, we don't have to put up with him too often on the television, which was just as well because he's not particularly telly friendly. Over in Los Angeles, as you know, in California, they've got the worst drought that they've ever had. You know, people are saying, "Oh, you know, can you put a brick in your toilet and only wash once a week because it's absolutely dreadful." Not if you're the Kardashians. And uh, any of these other people as well. Hugh Hefner, uh, Julia Roberts, Petra Eccleston, Cher, Jennifer Lopez, Barbara Streisand and Jennifer Aniston. Every single one of these places, whilst being in the middle of drought, have got lush green lawns. Why? Because they've carried on. They're sticking two fingers up to you peasants over in California. I feel a bit sorry for you, really, because it's one lawn for the rich and... Well, anyway. And so here they all are. Barbara Streisand has lectured presidents on conservation. But she's refused to let her grass go brown, so she carries on watering. They do talk guff, don't they? Much as I love Barbara Streisand. It's a load of old claptrap that comes out of this old bag's mouth. Uh, Jennifer Eniston. She's in a drought. She's she's put in drought-resistant plants, but it's green and lush. Not half as lush as the Kardashians' place, which they bought from Elvis Presley's daughter, Lisa Marie. It's uh, it's about thirteen million pound. You know, for thirteen million in California, compared to this country, you get everything. They've got two swimming pools, the stables. I wouldn't like to imagine just how big this estate is, but from the air, it's enormous. Thirteen million. Thirteen million in London. If you were looking at some of the best places, that would just about get you a two bedroom flat. Just about get you. Julia Roberts. Uh, she's got a, lo- a, a couple of little uh, dry spots on her lawn, but basically she's carried on watering. Hugh Hefner, his lawns are lush and streams, the koi ponds, the hidden grotto pools and the water pools, all running as usual. Never mind. He is practically near death. He's 89, so he can't go for much longer, can he, poor soul? Petra Eccleston paid 55 million for, I think this is with the, um, this is the, uh, the mansion of What's-His-Face, who did Dynasty and everything else. So um, here, uh, the lawn, uh, she's hardly ever there. The lawns will be kept beautifully manicured. Uh, I think actually it's up for sale. I think she suddenly realised that having 140 rooms is a little bit stupid for a 26-year-old. You know, nice to be all flash and everything else, but when you're Billy No-Mates and you have to sit there twiddling your thumbs in your own beauty salon, it makes you look a bit daft, doesn't it, really? So uh, two, different, uh, two different rules there. One for one, for one, one for another. I did think that the bus company was slightly out of kilter. This is the um, New Adventure Travel Buses in Cardiff, which had a picture of a woman on the back with, with the slogan, Ride Me All Day for Three Pounds. Seems very reasonable for Cardiff, I thought. Very reasonable to actually get a woman you could ride all day for three quid. Heavens above, that'll put half of them in Cardiff town centre out of business. Anyway, she was holding the slogan over her breasts. Grief. I mean, could, but then people said it was sexist. So... It's getting people on board a bus, isn't it? Well, what would you rather have, Lay? I mean, ladies would probably rather have some naked man. Like sort of old Molly Smith, you know, the one who, who sort of la-la's in the group, the Saturdays. Her, her, her boyfriend models for Marks and Spencers. And, and they put him in the paper today and they've gone, Quaw, you fancy a bit of that girl's kind of thing. He shaves his body. He's more girly than some of the girls. And then they've got a picture of Lauren Goodyear. Now, Lauren Goodger is a bit of a waste of space. She doesn't really have anything to say for herself. She's got one of those silly little voices. But luckily, she was uh, snapped in a bikini 
And she's obviously been on some sort of protein diet where, you know, do, I mean, she doesn't actually do a day's work. None of these people do day's work. What they do is they get endorsements from different companies. So they've uh, they've sort of dragged her out somewhere, taken a picture and gone, core. Well, I mean, if this isn't sexist, I don't know what is, apart from the fact that she doesn't have any sexiness. You remember she went out on the beach before when she was fat and bloated. They do that deliberately. This is all a ploy to get you to buy into it. And it, and it, and it does turn out the sort of people who buy into this are the Jeremy Kyle candidates. The Jeremy Kyle candidates will go, cool, I'm, I'm fat and unattractive because I eat loads of really stodgy food. If I, if I do what Lauren Goodger's done, I can have a body like hers. Yeah, for about five seconds. You watch this time next year. She'll be as fat as a beach hut again. Fat as a beach hut. Kim Marsh, we predicted on this programme. I said she would split. The warning signs were there. She's, um, she's a bit flighty, and that's putting it politely. But anyway, weeks after gushing, you know, and she sold the story to OK Magazine. Oh, our wedding's going to be this. And I thought, you're lying, old baggage. And of course, I'm absolutely right, they've split. Uh, they always say, we're, we're having a break from each other. For break, read, she's found somebody else. Or he's found somebody else. That's, that's the way it works in show business. Don't ever believe the stories you read in OK Magazine. I'm really in love, this is wonderful, our wedding's going to be fantastic, because it's a load of old rubbish. load of old rubbish. Kim Marsh is getting through them. I mean, to be honest with you, if they were sweeties... She'd have eaten an entire shop by now, you not think? Quick time check. Quarter past four. Nick Ferrari at breakfast this morning. One of the most successful Johnsons joins Nick in the studio. You can put your questions to London's Mayor, the MP of Uxbridge and Ryslip, and now political cabinet attendee, Boris Johnson. Meanwhile, three days removed from his post-defeat resignation, Nigel Farage decides to lead UKIP again. Does that spell the beginning of the end for the party? We'll hear from the man who beat him in South Thanet. And the former singer and beauty queen who took Ed Ball's seat. We'll chat to Nick too. That's Nick after the uh, 7 o'clock news this morning. Uh, and that's after Lisa Aziz. Glenno Glaser will be looking at the papers, which is nice, isn't it? Very nice indeed. Um, what else was in the paper today? It was also, oh, some bloke got stopped for speeding by the police. I think it was in uh, Manchester. And the reason he gave that he was speeding was that he was trying to get to an S Club 7 concert. <laughs> I mean, why would you worry? You know, you can, you can watch the miming any time soon. They're all there. Anyway, police ordered him to court over his driving, not his musical taste, because it's just embarrassing. Imagine saying, I'm actually going to an S Club 7 concert. I'm sure there's people listening who are probably huge fans of S Club 7, and I I'm, I'm feel very happy for you. I'm sure that you absolutely love their music. But to be honest with you, they're all past the sell-by. There's only one of them, John Lee, who's forged a career. There's the racist in the group. You remember her for the Shilpa Shetty thing. And uh, then there's... God, you can't remember who they are. Bradley. I remember there's Bradley McIntosh, I think, is one of them. Um, there might be a girl called Tina. And Paul Catamol. Blimey, I'm actually better than I thought of this. Paul Catamol, I think, was in it as well. He was the one who got fat and left. And now he's come back in again. But John Lee was the one who went and forged a, a career in musical theatre, and very well he did too. He's done loads of pantomimes. Very good, very good lad. Very good lad. But whether or not I want to go and see them in concert, I think, remains to be seen. Sky is still running this tedious interview with, uh, with Prince Harry. You feel like saying to him, you know, can you just dress up a little bit more? You know, it's nice to be all casual, but you're 30 years old. Tuck your shirt in, for God's sake. At least the reporter's made an effort, and it's a nice location. But what does it, what does it prove? I can't quite work out what they're trying to sell us with Prince Harry. Not bringing out a range of crockery, is he, or something like that? Is he bringing out a diet book? 
You never understand, do you? But I always think if somebody's appearing on the television, there's got to be some sort of reason for it. And I can't think of any reason why we'd be interviewing him. You know, if he's a soldier, then go and do soldiering. But stop being followed around by your own blooming film crew. It looks a bit tedious to me. Uh, here's Lewis Hamilton again. Do you know, is it my imagination or is he just getting camper by the day? This time, Lewis Hamilton is uh, having a, a kickabout. Uh, on the thing. He's got one of these funny little what I call sort of girly type beard things, which isn't a beard at all. It's just like a line and he's got a quiff going on. At least he's not wearing that those dreadful outfits that he was wearing the other day. Oh, God, did you see them? I mean, everybody agreed with me. Nobody, nobody disagreed with me that the outfits were truly atrocious. Nobody wears a red fedora unless you really are a complete and utter what's-it. Uh, here's the Sun Girls date with the M&S hunk. This is David Gandhi. He does have a little girlfriend. She doesn't really do anything. Her name's Molly. And Molly just goes to sort of charity events. But um, so, so they went on a date with him. So Jolie Chilcott is the sexist reporter for The Sun today, where they're literally concentrating on, you know, smart fun. He's a surprise package. Get my drift. Ooh, naughty, naughty. And then you look at poor old Jolie Chilcott. It doesn't look like she could pull anybody in a storm. A little bit. uh, She says, I turned up expecting a man. This drop-dead gorgeous would be an arrogant bore, but I couldn't have been more wrong. Schmoozing the... Cr- I mean, God, it's just... It's coated with syrup. You, you, you've got the word desperate all over you, Jolie, haven't you? The word desperate... My God, I'd like to go out with a man like that. Anyway, um, it's uh, all it is, it's just a, a plug for his range of underpants. So, not even appealing. I mean, what they should have done is given it to, um, to a man to go and do. I'm sure that Dan Wooten could have gone and done something like that. He likes a bit of this kind of thing. And uh, she said, I expected him to be arrogant and boring. Why would you think that? We've never seen him being interviewed before. Perhaps you've not done your research. He's like a new Bond. No, he's not. He's just another one of these beefcake models who shaves his chest. A bit like old Davy Boy Beckham. Davy Boy Beckham is a bit handy with the old razor, as we know, because she's told us in interviews. Who's this here? A big brother wannabe. Chloe Wilburn. My God, you weren't blessed with looks, were you, dear? Jesus. And this is... I mean, I don't understand. So is she in the Big Brother? Have we started Big Brother and I've missed it? Or is it not actually running at the moment? Anyway, uh, Edwin Wilburn, who is her father, is a drugs baron. Him and his gang tried to smuggle amphetamines into the UK. A source close to Chloe, who's 25 but looks about 60, says her major concern going into Big Brother was people finding out the family's been trying to keep it a secret. What, the, the father's a drug dealer? Well, how long did you think you were going to keep that quiet, dear? You are thick, aren't you? Bubbly office administrator Chloe, oh, God, is going into the house tonight. She says, I think I'm normal. Yeah. I mean, dear God, love, I mean, have you looked in the mirror? What are these silly poses with somebody else's hair stuck on your head? Anyway, uh, her father was jailed together with nine other men for a total of 88 years. They got cannabis and cocaine. Uh, he comes from uh, Bentley in South Yorkshire. He's currently 10 years in jail. <laughs> Good for you. Honestly, fancy having a daughter. Do you not know what your daddy was doing, dear? Did you not realise? You know, did you not realise when he come back going, got a little something for the weekend for you, girl? You know, do you not think about it then? I don't believe people don't know what their parents do for a little... Oh, my God, not her again. Sarah Harding. Apparently, they're getting a little bit worried over at Coronation Street. They're worried that because all the people leaving... Um, will sort of mean that the audience drops. Won't make any difference at all. And Sarah Harding won't make it the slightest difference. We've no evidence to suggest that the poor poor creature can even act. You know, we, we've seen her in a couple of things, but, I mean, her roles were so minimal. 
You know, but then, of course, Sarah Harding always tries to sort of embellish everything and make it a bit exciting. Uh, Channel 4 is taking cameras inside the changing rooms of Britain's high street stores. Uh, apparently, Henry Holland will host. Oh, God. Listen, Gokwan does the hosting, Henry. We don't want to see you. Apparently, it's called The Changing Room. It's a fascinating world of triumph, disaster and spanks. God, how dull. Can't think of anything worse. Henry Holland. Have you ever seen this poor creature? You've never seen... Some of these people, honestly, I think they, they come from another planet, I think. Uh, what was that a picture of? This is Anton Dubeck. Yeah, good old Tony Beak. A slam, Strictly Come Dancing. Uh, the new lineup saying they are ugly. Well, you'd know, mate. You'd know. You look like the sort of man who tuck your shirt into your pants, don't you, really? The ballroom dancer admitted he'd not met the new performers, but said he'd looked at pictures. He said, I don't know any of the newbies. I've never met them. I've seen a couple of the guys online. They're ugly. Made me feel a bit sick. That's how we feel when we see you dancing with those old women that they put you with. Because you remember, he actually partnered Andy Murray's mum, Judy. Thank God we've seen the back of her. Speaking at the BAFTAs. Tony says, if somebody did leave, who knows? At the moment, all the seats are taken, so until they do, I'm, I'll am i keep putting the lycra back on and kicking my legs up. I know, but you're getting a bit past it now, aren't you? Don't you think you're a bit past it? I thought you were a bit past it. I mean, the funny thing is, they always partner Tony Beak with all the old women, don't they? So they can schmooze around them. Never did he do Anne Whittacombe? Well, I say, did he do Anne Whittacombe? I mean, did he dance with Anne Whittacombe? Did he? I can't remember. I know that... He, he might have done, actually. They always put him with, with sort of the old ones who are stupid yet not savable. And I, th- I have a sneaking feeling, sneaking feeling, that she fitted into that category. I mean, you, I mean, they had to sort of, at one point, she flew in. Do you remember? I'm a wire. Well, I say a wire. That's being unkind to wires. It was actually a hawser that they got her in on because, uh, because there was a lot of her to float in. I think she came, I mean, she did turn out to be the, the, the joke, didn't she, really? The joke person of the series. There's always one. And she was the joke person of that. That particular, mind you, it gave her a career. She ended up doing pantomime. Ian says Kim Marsh. I now feel sorry for the ten bridesmaids she's let down. Laugh out loud. <laughs> or lots of love. It's a bit difficult to tell, actually. But anyway, I'm assuming laugh out loud because they all sell the stories, don't they? Because these these people live by the media. They live for selling their story to OK Magazine. You know, I sneezed and broke wind today. Two page spread. LOL. You know, that's the kind of stuff that we do expect. And from Kim Marsh, I expect stuff like that. I expect her to go to uh, the papers and I expect her to sell a story about this is my latest boyfriend. I mean, Sarah Harding's done it for every single one of them. I mean, frankly, there won't be any room in the magazines because you're going to end up all the time with just people talking about their boyfriends. But as we all know, they're a bit short-lived. I mean, I think every single person... I mean, look at poor... I mean, you've only got to look at poor old Jordan. I mean, her career's finished now. It's washed up completely. The best she can get in the papers last week, which we did yesterday, was a charity event. A charity event. I mean, quite clearly, the endorsements never worked because most of her stuff doesn't sell. The only thing that sells are the books. And if you've seen the people queuing up for them, I mean, the, I mean, to be honest with you, I don't think they can read. I mean, I'm not being unkind, but most of them look as though they probably think they're colouring books. So I'm assuming that that's what would happen. But she can't get arrested at the moment. But every time she's had a new boyfriend or she's getting married or, you know, she's about to pop another kid out, it's over to OK Magazine. They stick her on the front page. She gets a three-hour makeup session. Takes that long nowadays. Well, you've got to mix the cement first, haven't you? And then you do that bit and then you sort of, then you sort of stand by and just wait for the fireworks. Because I'm expecting her and uh, little Kieran to separate. I mean, certainly before the end of the year. Certainly before the end of the year. And I'm expecting... Uh, I think John Burko's wife to turn up on some sort of a reality show, or at the very least, this morning. 
It's LBC. It's 4.30. Steve Allen on LBC. Morning, everybody. 26 minutes to, uh, to five. It's nice to have your company. So the more you read... In the newspapers, and I do love reading the newspapers, I and mean, I can't, it's, it's an insatiable appetite that I have for, uh, for vacuous interviews. The one with Prince Harry is just ridiculous. Um, he split with his most recent girlfriend, Cressida Bonus. He admitted he was at a crossroads in his life personally and professionally, having announced this year he's quitting the military after ten years, apparently, and, uh, and two frontline deployments in Afghanistan. But he asked the British people to trust his decision and insisted he wanted to make everyone proud. You're actually sort of getting confused, Harry, with the fact that anybody gives a toss. Nobody cares what you do. I mean, seriously, nobody cares what you do. They really don't. He says, uh, anyway, I'm looking forward to, uh, to meeting, you know, the new little baby in the family, which is great. And uh, in an interview with Sky News, the prince, who despite his reputation as a playboy had a seven-year relationship with Chelsea Day before dating Miss Bonus for two years, confessed he'd like to have somebody along to share the pressure of his royal role. What pressure? What pressure? Did, what, every so often you have to turn up and have your picture taken? That's pressure, is it? Jeez, you need to get out into the real world. Out into the real world. Ten years in the military, they make it sound like he was out there and he was, you know, it was real frontline stuff and everything else, as opposed to a bit of a jolly, actually. A bit of a jolly. He didn't want to become a full-time royal... And um, he, he, he wants to find a paying job. Well, McDonald's has got loads of vacancies at the moment. You could, could you try that? I mean, just stack shelves or something? Waitrose would probably take you on. You could do that. Anyway, he did take part in a pub quiz the other day. He found, managed to find the only pub. And uh, the rest of the time, I don't know what he does. He just sort of shilly-shallies around having pictures taken. Monty Don is in the paper. He's called for an allotment revival to counter the dwindling number of young people with access to gardens. Oh, dear. It's not good enough. I'm with Monty Don on that one. I think more young people should get involved with gardening and plots and plant planting up and stuff like that. I think definitely. I think definitely. And, um, and I, I mean, I, I think really everybody should go out there today. Even if you just go and buy a pot and then plant something in it. The pleasure that you will get from it is absolutely Immeasurable. Absolutely immeasurable. Uh, 84850, steve at uk, And uh, do you remember Sam Barton? Um, I don't, actually. Sam Barton. Apparently he, he was the, uh, the male that got the nose job uh, free on the NHS. It's very, very odd, actually. I don't know. I'm, I'm trying to... Th- I'll have to check my, uh, my, my file... To see if I remember Sam Barton. Is he the one who looked like somebody? Or he didn't look like somebody? And uh, and people were sort of tweeting about him. Sort of saying, you know, should he... I think he was after free stuff. He was just a barman, wasn't he? He was a nobody. He was an absolute nobody. Didn't he end up with that same uh, agent that had that uh, dreadful old white D? Apparently everybody hates Benefit Street. It is just a load of numpties, people wandering around smoking dodgy cigarettes. I mean, pathetic waste of space, I'm afraid. So uh, quite glad I'm not watching that. Quite glad. I shall check out that other one, though, because I'm always interested in people that sometimes fall under my radar. And a few people do, but, uh, but, but not that often. Uh, thanks for the mental picture, Steve. Tony Beak and Anne Widdicombe. I know, Tony the Beak and Widdy. <laughs> uh, and Ian says Sally Burko's gone from being married to the leading commoner to just being common yeah I mean I, I, to be honest 
you know, every sort of thing. I mean, Sally has mocked her ex-lover's wife. I mean, really, she's that low and says, more fool you for taking him back. Sally Burko says, it takes two to tango, you know. I don't know why Erica's just turning her fire on me. And then uh, Erica's mother says, this woman has brought shame on Parliament and badly hurt my daughter. Well, Sally Burko is a vile person. She really isn't pleasant at all. I mean, she quite clearly, as I said before, has no regard for her husband, no regard for her privileged position, and certainly couldn't give a toss about her children if this is the way she behaves. Has she, has she got a brain cell? Is it out for lunch, Sally? Grow up, for God's sake, you silly woman. Resexism, says Laura. Why is it that the people that find offence with ads or images with females stay silent about male models? All they achieve is free publicity for the ads. It is the 21st century. There must be other things these Puritans could be doing. Yes, I, I agree with you. Well, we, we, we had the classic example, didn't we? The fear of repeating myself. The loose women. One minute talking about this advert and saying it was sexist. And, and the next day, they're all dribbling over the male model who's the maths teacher. You know, you've got double standards. I tell you what, why don't you all sit there in your bra and pants and we can sort of give you a vote as to whether or not we think you look attractive enough. That'd be more entertaining, wouldn't it? You can't have it both ways. You can't sort of sit there trying to think you speak for all the women in the country because 90% of the women couldn't give a forex about whether... I mean, we've got loads of pictures of people wearing bikinis. Does that mean every time you walk past a shop, you have to go, oh dear, I've got a picture of a girl in a bikini. Sexist! And you have to sort of close it down. Of course not. People like looking at pictures of attractive people. I mean, there's no point looking at pictures of uglies, is there? You're not going to be paying any time soon to see Anne, short, fat and bad teeth, Widdicombe, modelling a bikini. I mean, you're really not. I mean, even bra and pants is pushing it. You don't want to see Anne Widdicombe in pictures like that, do you? You want to see somebody tall and willowy. Somebody you know, a bit like Kelly Brook. I said, as long as she keeps her mouth shut, we should be fine. But that's what you want. You don't want Anne Widdicombe or Gemma Collins or people like that. So that's why, you're right, sexism's got to work both ways. However, the truth about the poster girl. Do you remember this one? The left-wing writer, Laura Penny. She turned up, she was defending the people who daubed the uh, the cenotaph memorial to the women of World War Two with rude word Tory scum. She was defending it. She's a rather stupid person, and uh, and then she says here she tried to justify her widely condemned comments by saying her grandmother had won the George Cross in the Second World War, which of course, as uh, Laura Penny knows, is a blatant lie. Her grandmother did not win the George Cross. She was not one of the four women to be awarded the prestigious honour. So, rewriting history, are we, Ms Penny? And the answer is, yes, she is. All she got was a commemorative medal for her services on Malta. It's nowhere near the George Cross. Nowhere near it. Last night, Ms Penny, my God, you're a prissy little madam, aren't you, of London, said she didn't realise that the George Cross awarded to Malta was different to the medal awarded to her grandmother. Well, there you go, engage brain before opening mouth, dear. She said the George Cross was awarded to the island of Malta and my grandmother got a special commemorative medal. I didn't realise the mistake uh, and the distinction. And, it, and I just made a genuine mistake. It doesn't give anybody the right to abuse me or my family. I'm not interested in your family, dear. We're interested in the utterings that come out of your mouth. She said I couldn't be prouder of my nana. Not only was she a war hero, she was a hard-working mother and a formidable person. Oh, God, honestly, dry up, dear. You can't justify anybody writing Tory scum over a cenotaph memorial. I mean, really... How low do you want to go? Answer, you can probably go a lot lower, I should imagine. You know, anybody who desecrates a memorial is despicable. Anybody who defends it is despicable. You're not the clever little person you think you are. You're just a silly little girl, OK?
Another one needs to grow up. Mind you, I watched the other day. What did I watch? Shami Chakrabarti. My God, your heart drops when she appears on a programme. Dreadful. Dreadful. She was appearing on something. and she, I mean, she's just awful. The self-appointed leader of a party that nobody bothers with. Really, absolutely dreadful. If you're dieting uh, but struggling to lose weight, blame your slow metabolism. I always thought it was that. If you find it impossible to lose weight, Gemma, are you listening? This one's for you, dear. No matter how hard you try, it seems you really can blame your slow metabolism. Scientists have shown that some people's biology genuinely makes it harder for them to lose weight. Because some people don't put weight on, and, uh, and some people... Uh, it just, it, it it never works, does it? You know, you, you try a diet and you can't lose the weight. And so you try everything. People have been resorted to having their jaws wired up. They've had liposuction. They've tried every shake and powder under the sun that's available on the internet. You know, the miracle cures, which aren't miracle cures. The uh, The things which possibly, if you take them to excess, could kill you. There's all of this kind of thing going on out there because the diet business is huge. It's absolutely enormous. There's so much pressure on everybody nowadays to be thinner. I'd love to be thinner, you know, and I, but I realise that, you know, if, if, if I don't sort of stop eating, I'm going to be as big as a barrage balloon. But that's my business. That's my business. I don't, I don't hold myself up as some shining example of a male model or anything like that. I know exactly what my, what my failings are and uh, it seems to work quite well for me. Uh, Michelle Obama and a speech which we'll come round to a little bit later on. And um, and people now, cheese and onion. No, I'll have a bag of langoustine and lemon, posh crisps. What about in my day? Cheese and onion, smoky bacon, roast chicken, plain. Now, Mr Trotter's English mustard, great British pork crackling, one <laughs> Walker's sensations... Chilli and goat's cheese. Oh, give up, for goodness sake. Buy one, get one free at cost cutter. It's got that desperate, you know. You've fallen out with crisps. Salt marsh lamb and mint hand-cooked crisps. Uh, another one here. Tyrrell summer butter and mint crisps. Hand-cooked Devon roast beef potato chips. They say here, thick cut with no artificial flavouring or colouring. Created with organic beef from the well-hung meat company. I don't think we need to talk about that at this time of the morning. Scottish langoustine with dill and lemon hand-cooked crisps. You always imagine old ladies with those sort of nice sort of uh, mop caps on cooking these sort of things. It's not like that at all. It's still factory made. Market deli potato chips with balsamic vinegar. Dilly and wolf Hebridean sea salt seaweed and malt vinegar chips. God. It's a load of old rubbish, isn't it, really? What's the matter with just... Have you ever made crisps? You can make crisps yourself, apparently. Not too difficult to make. I still, the only one I like the sound of, really, is the roast beef potato chips. £1.50 from farm shops and independent retailers. That's from somebody called Burt's. It's making me quite hungry, actually, this morning. Quite hungry. I like the idea. But, uh, they've got all sorts of things which are trying... I thought the crisp market had fallen off. I thought that Gary Lineker had single-handedly killed the crisp market. You know, if you see Gary Lineker turning up in another one of those stupid adverts on the television, it's enough to turn anybody off food, isn't it, really? Just drives me mad. And uh, soft cheese. Oh, look at this. Oh, I like this. You like this one here. Lobster in a bottle. Lobster in a bottle. I mean, that sounds fantastic. And uh, it's produced off the coast of Brittany in northern France. It's, um, it's, oh, sorry, it's not, it's lobster oil. Apparently, um, 
It tastes and smells heady and intense. Hardly surprising, given that 12 kilograms of locally harvested blue lobster shells are used to infuse each litre of rapeseed oil. A few drops of the oil, a favourite with Michelin-starred chef Tom uh, Atkins, will add a rich lobster flavour to dishes like pasta, risotto or soup. Wow. Mind you, it's £24.50 a bottle. £24.50 a bottle sounds, sounds quite a lot to me. Quite a lot. But uh, lobster, see, I, I did go out for lobster. You know that they, they took me out. And so we went, went for lobster. I didn't like it. I really didn't like it. I'm, I have to be honest, actually. I like the idea of it. But when I actually taste it, oh, uh, not my sort of thing at all. Apparently being tall can harm your sex life. <gasps> Thank God I'm short. Quarter to five. This is LB Steve Allen on LBC. Morning, everybody. Uh, Steve says, uh, Sally the Burke, if she was in the Big Brother house, I'm sure she'll still get around the place. Well, she's done Big Brother, hasn't she? I think she's already done it. Has she been on Loose Women? No, because I suddenly thought, and in fact, it was only when you wrote, has she been on Loose Women? I thought, what can she go on there and say? I cheated on my husband. <laughs> End of story. I don't quite understand. You know, you can't take it any further. And they could have turned around and, oh, so sorry for you that everything's collapsed. As opposed to, you old tart, what on earth do you think you were doing? What on earth do you think you were doing? You know, there's your nice husband, struggling to keep a, a job together when he knows there's a campaign to, you, you know, sort of move him away from the House of Commons. You've got a lovely grace and favour apartment. You don't like it in there. I think the truth of the matter is, it's because people don't look at you with anything but pity in their eyes. That's the only reason. You know, nobody's going to treat you as if you're somebody because you haven't deserved anything. What have you ever done to deserve people, you know, being nice to you? You have to earn that privilege. You have to earn that right. Still worrying about the fact that if you're, if you're tall, it can harm your sex life. Are you listening, Mike, at the moment? Just mention it, you know. <laughs> in passing. Thankfully, I'm shrinking. As I'm getting older, I'm shrinking. So that must be, that must be good news, mustn't it? Probably not. Probably not. Front page of the Express today. In, out, in, out. And we're not even shaking it all about. This is uh, Nigel Farage stays as leader. Who else, you have to ask yourself? But what was the point of going through this, this charade about, uh, I'm going to step down. Uh, they won't let me step down, so I'm staying. No, I'm coming out. No, I'm staying again. Just absolutely ludicrous, isn't it, really? I mean, we're, we're going to be speaking on Nick Ferrari's programme this morning to the person who beat him in Thanet. Because it seems a pointless exercise. I mean, so Nigel Farage stands again. You don't think things are going to change, do you, Nigel? Really? Do you think things are going to change? They did a survey on biscuits in the paper. It's always a good standard one. It's, uh, it's sort of... I think I'm totally convinced that it's actually done for, um, for radio presenters who can't think of anything to talk about. You know, what's your favourite biscuit... I mean, that would have to be one of the dumbest things. Like, you know, what's your favourite smell? What's your favourite childhood toy? What's your favourite TV programme? I've always thought things like that on uh, on radio shows were somewhat lame and you were scraping the barrel a little bit. But uh, I shall give it to you anyway, because it's in the paper. And it's a top 20 biscuit list. And um, apparently, shortbread came fourth. Apparently, it's the, uh, the, the favourite biscuit is the chocolate digestive. You see, I mean, I'm, I mean, I do know people who listen to this programme who dunk. Sometimes while they're listening. And they, and they enjoy dunking a biscuit in tea. Well, I've never done it. I've tried it with a hobnob and it just dissolved, I'm afraid. Jaffa cakes are very popular. Bourbons and uh, chocolate fingers. See, I went off chocolate fingers years ago. We used to have a, a race as kids. You probably did the same yourself. Where you'd attempt to suck the chocolate off the biscuit just to see what the biscuit looked like underneath. 
And you do the same to a penguin, and you discover it's a bourbon biscuit in the middle. And it's all made by the same company. It's all made by McVitie's. I used to watch them making penguins. They make them in Manchester. Make them in Manchester. And they also... What else do they make in Manchester? They used to do wafers. I used to love wafers. Wafer. Anything that was covered in chocolate on a wafer, I'm big on. But, um, but Noreen says, my top uh, two are there, chocolate digestives and hobnobs. Third, custard creams. They're funny. We used to like... I'm sure they've never seen custard, custard creams. I don't know why they were named, I suppose, because it was a, a custard flavouring. Uh, but still very, very nice. So they do take the biscuit crown. And all it is, it's just a survey done by some company to try and get the company mentioned. So I'm deliberately not going to mention the company who has commissioned it. Because nobody gives a flying forex, do they, on what biscuits you eat. Nobody really cares about a survey on them. As I say, you know, what's your favourite nail varnish? <laughs> what's, what's your favourite heart disease tablet? That'd be the kind of thing to go for. If you're diabetic, what's, what's your favourite amputation? You know, toe, leg, knee. <laughs> Somebody here talking about um, Vanessa, uh, sorry, uh, talking about uh, Sally the Burke, saying she's always longed for the limelight. You know, kissing a stranger in a nightclub, supplying details of past alcoholism, you know, hanging around with all the wrong people. She's just, she's, perhaps she's not all there. I mean, she might have a screw loose, I don't know. I mean, she's not denying she's had an affair with, with a cousin a married man with a child, and his wife's gone back to him, and she said, oh, more fool her. Exactly, that leaves you where, Sally? In other words, leaves you nowhere. Leaves you nowhere, nobody's interested. Your husband quite clearly doesn't want shop-soiled goods now, thank you very much indeed. So uh, he, he would be better off getting rid of you, and also going for, uh, going for the children. I mean, how on earth could a court award the children to you when, when you've behaved so disgracefully, and also in such a public position? It's all right if it's Mrs. Nobody down the road. Nobody cares about that. But it's if it's somebody like you. I've always said that you were desperate for publicity. I've always said that you were a, a dreadful attention seeker without actually having any discernible talent or any sort of looks to go along with it. You know, she's a car crash, says the columnist here. Uh, let's hope there's a support network of friends and family in place. I shouldn't imagine she's got any friends. Who could be friends with her? Nobody's friends with her at Westminster. Nobody likes her. That's why she has to go out there. She goes, oh, I'm doing this for womankind. You know, I'm sure we're going to see that. But you can't put her on the television. Some woman cheats on husband. If anything, let's put John Burko on Loose Women. And you can explain exactly what it feels like to have a wife who is so desperate for attention that she'll do just about anything and sleep with somebody in the process. I mean, that, to me, is like the ultimate, you know, sticking the knife between the shoulder blades. It's terrible, really. Terrible. You don't know why, why anybody would want to do that. You know, she lives in Battersea in a £1.2 million house, which is, you know, by anybody's stats, it's not bad going. How they afford that, I don't know. Uh, I suppose because they don't have the grace and favour apartment. You know, they don't own it, so he can put his money into a mortgage. And so she seems to live in Battersea. I mean, she's been out of the limelight for ages, thank God. Now this bombshell comes that uh, she was having this affair for about a year. And she's going to... If he doesn't divorce her, she's going to divorce him. And it's going to be on unreasonable grounds. The unreasonable grounds, I'm assuming, would be the fact that she's stuck in Westminster and she's told him time and time again she doesn't want to be there. But, you know, that isn't a reason to go and, and sort of start being a floozy, is it really? I don't think so. It's not a pleasant thing. I feel sorry for him. Really. Really sorry. Uh, the scorned wife says she's driven by ego. Sally Burko, she says, I don't discuss her. I'm not a media whore. Yes, you see, some people play the media. And so Sally Burko will get out there now. All she's done is made herself look incredibly stupid and embarrassed, not only John, but the children. Um, this woman's husband, 
uh, would also not be making any comment. It's it's almost it's it's sort of the um, it's the Jordan thing again, isn't it? Although as we we discovered in Jordan's case, somebody obviously said to her, "Listen, you can't keep getting rid of husbands. It's beginning to look like it's your fault." Which of course it is. That's why, because if if you know if everything's all hunky dory in the garden at home, why would you bother climbing over the fence? The answer is you wouldn't. But uh, Sally the Burke who is driven by ego and has some sort of insatiable desire to push herself forward, I don't know why, uh, is out there. And she's uh, she's just desperate for the attention. You feel a bit sorry for her, really. I suppose we should send her a sympathy card and go, I'm really sorry you're lonely. Very sorry. But, you know, but, you know if you'd made a big group of friends, perhaps that would keep you away from straying. Perhaps, perhaps she sees that as sort of somebody who really likes her. Whereas, in fact, quite clearly, he must have used her as much as she used him. I don't know this. This is only what I'm gleaning from the newspapers. That's why I feel a little bit sorry. But in the case of Jordan, he went off and slept with two of her best friends. You know, that would be grounds for a divorce. But then she suddenly realised, wait a minute, what am I going to do then? I'm going to be all single. Where am I going to meet somebody? I'll forgive him. I'll put out the story that he's gone to see one of those people who can deal with the fact that he's got an addiction to sex. What, because he slept with two people? That's an addiction, is it, nowadays? Don't go to the internet, dear. You can see him actually performing on the internet, with one of his ex-girlfriends. So uh, the shop sold goods, are definitely in your garden, and she's so desperate to find somebody so she can have more more children. It's all she wants, loads and loads of children, and that's what she's going to do. Although, you have to think to yourself that when, when she eventually passes on, I'm assuming she will at some point, it's going to be fairly ancient by that time, but she'll pass on, who's going to look after the children? Do you think all the respective husbands will, will come back and claim their bit of the children? I'm assuming that's how it works. Uh, Mary Berry has put her holiday home on the market. £800,000. It's in uh, Salcombe, in Devon. Looks lovely, actually. She said the kitchen works very well, and if you don't want to cook, there are great restaurants in town. She's 80. They're selling it to move closer to the sea. The children want moorings. She said we're waiting to see what we can find. I'm assuming that Mary Berry must be worth quite a few million. Quite a few million. And I don't begrudge her a penny, because I think she's absolutely wonderful. Absolutely wonderful. I think she's... For 80, she's incredible. She's just... She's what I call a normal person. She always reminds me of, of sort of our family and most of my family cook or cooked when they were alive. And they enjoyed doing it. And Mary Berry would be the inspiration. She would be the person who cooked. She wouldn't dream of going out and buying a shop cake. Why would she buy a shop cake? She can bake. That's what people did. You know, people, ladies over a certain age, I should imagine, over the age of, what, 40 and 50 now, you'd have been brought up to do home economics. You'd have done cooking, bake it, do a takeaway. You mad? It's only the old chavs nowadays who can't cook for toffee and have to go out there. They did one of those family swaps a while ago on the telly. And uh, the family came from Blackpool. You can imagine what they looked like. They were all grossly overweight. Grossly overweight. And, um, and they all thought they were going back to be entertained at this people's house. They sat on the beach and ordered burgers. So that's why. But in Mary Berry's case, I shouldn't imagine she's probably eaten a takeaway burger. Do you think she's ever been in a McDonald's? My mother had never been in a Chinese takeaway. Never found the need. She cooked her over. Admittedly, the British version of Chinese takeaway was not particularly brilliant. But at least she made the effort. Nowadays, people don't bother, do they? Only some sort of slony girls whose mums say, listen, you need to cook something if you're going to work the chalet system. Goodness sake, go and learn to do a chilli con carne. Works every time, you know. Lord Sugar quits Labour. He's pumped millions in. He's now said they were a total disaster. He's not far wrong, is he? Uh, Kelly Brook is on the hunt. After she lost to the last show, she's uh, looking for a new acting job. I think unlikely, dear. It's very sweet of you to make a contribution, but 
To be brutally honest, if you've been in a show in America and they've axed the show, they're not likely to pick up the dregs. The reason the show didn't work could have been down to you, and if it was down to you, not going to happen at all. Uh, Kim Marsh splits from her fiancé. Prince Harry confesses he'd love to have kids. He needs to find a girlfriend, first of all, that can put up with him. Uh, the budget stores taking over the high street. And Fox have axed the talent show. They've said it's gone as far as it can. It's LBC. I'm Steve Allen. That and more is next. This is LBC, leading Britain's conversation with Steve Allen. Tweet at LBC. Text 84850. Steve Allen on LBC. Morning, everybody. It's Tuesday. It's the 12th of May. It's Steve Allen's early breakfast. It's nice to have your company. 84850. Steve at LBC.co.uk. Women apparently look their best at 6.10 on a Monday morning. Sorry to break it to you. It's not going to happen today. It's Tuesday. OK. Want a tasty meal? Rotate your plate. The hidden costs the direct debit insurers don't tell you about. I hate doing direct debits. I really do. I got confused the other day whilst attempting to do my road fund licence and suddenly realised I should have read the small print which said if you do it online, you can only do direct debit. You can't do your credit card. The con man let out of jail to fleece his victim again. And the snorkeler bitten to death by a 12-foot shark. It's scary. All of that and more this morning from the newspapers. So, uh, so yesterday, you know, I, I get a little, slightly confused with anything that involves paperwork. Paperwork and Steve Allen do not go together. Some people are terribly organised. I am not the most organised person. And when it comes down to doing VAT and filing online... It really, it makes me quite ill beforehand. <laughs> I put it off and put it off and put it off. Because what they do is they write you if you, uh, if you do your VAT and you have to file online now. They don't do a, a paper thing anymore, which I used to quite enjoy, you know, write the checkout. Now you do everything online. You, you can pay for it online. You can uh, file it online, do everything. And uh, I've sat there before. And I've really struggled with it. I haven't known what to put in the boxes. The boxes that you leave vacant. If you do flat rate VAT, this only appeals to people who do VAT and who will sympathise with me. Uh, you just fill in the first box, which is how much VAT you owe them. So what you have to do is you add up your invoices minus the VAT. And then you times it by the amount that you pay to them on a flat rate. And it varies. It can be anything from, I think, uh, 12% up to 18% on VAT on flat rate schemes. And so that's your first box. The next two boxes you leave blank. The third box, you put the same amount in. And then you put on the next box the uh, the large amount, which is the, the money that you've calculated. So this is what you've earned minus the VAT. And then you just put zero in the other boxes and it fills it in automatically. Well, the first time I ever did it, I couldn't work this out. I was putting a pound thing in, 0.00, and of course the machine didn't recognise it. I suddenly learnt, now you don't even bother putting the pound sign in, you just put zero, and it fills in the boxes automatically. So that, that I discovered. So yesterday, having been told about two weeks ago, you need to file your VAT, I've got a password which runs, for, I don't know, 300 letters or something stupid, and you put them in, and then eventually you find the page where you file, and it says open, you click on it, and it puts in the boxes. And so you've quickly got to find out, because I can't remember what I'm doing. I've got to find out the month. So in this one, we were doing February, March, April. So it goes up to the end of April. And so I've then got to go and find those six invoices, find them. And I was, I was actually doing really, I was quite surprising myself. 
that I was actually ahead of the game. I got the six invoices. I'm standing up in front of the computer. I'm writing down the things. I get my calculator out, do it on the calculator. And uh, it all goes terribly, terribly well. And, uh, and then I put on the first box. And that was right. Then I put a zero, zero. Then I filled in the other bit. Then a zero, zero. Click next. And it puts it all in there. I did it in about two minutes. It's the quickest I've ever done it. And I sat back on the settee thinking, God, I've actually mastered the VAT. And when is it payable? Next month. doesn't have to be paid until the 10th of June. So you file any time up until, I suppose, the 9th of June. And then they take the money from your bank account on the 10th of June. So they give you loads of time to do it. But I'm so pleased with myself. Because if you remember, the day before, I managed to actually uh, do my road fund licence online and then cancelled online and phoned up and did it automatically because I didn't want to do the direct debit. Uh, I didn't want to do that at all. I don't like having direct debits. And so uh, so I think I sorted it all out. Then I did my parking permit for Twickenham. All in all, actually, I've spent a lot of money, but nothing's actually disappeared from the bank account as yet. But it will do very shortly. So I was quite, I was quite pleased with myself yesterday. I went out to celebrate. I went out to celebrate and I bought a few little geraniums. I've got some other geraniums coming, but I, I wanted to fill in one particular pot. So I went and bought, what did I buy? 16 geraniums for about 20 quid, I think, from Costco. I think eight in a, eight in a, a box and staggered back upstairs. Cut all the, cut all the flowers off because that's my, my trick for geraniums. Cut the flowers off, then I'll water them, then I'll, I'll plant them in. And then we'll have uh, colour all summer, which is great, which is great. And then I opened up the papers this morning. And read dreadful, dreadful stories about all all sorts of people doing strange things and not nice things. And here's the story of a of a guy called Eve Berthelo. Uh, Eve Berthelo uh, was a diver. He was snorkeling in shallow water near a catamaran off the coast of New Caledonia when he was attacked. By a 12-foot shark. Now, I mean, I've got a fear of water anyway. I'm not good with water. When I was a child, I was fine. I could jump in and out of water. You know, when you're little, your dad holds his hands together and you stand on them and they, he throws you in the air and you scream. And, and then, you know, into the water. I could, I could open my eyes underwater. I could do everything. I was like the original Charles Kingsley water baby. I was one of those people, you know, swimming around. I, was, I absolutely loved it. As I got older, I started having a fear of water. And the fear of water, I can, I can do a swimming pool, but I can't bear the smell of chlorine. But the one thing I couldn't bear to do is the sea. I could never climb in off a ship into, into the ocean. Absolutely not in a million years. And as for this other stuff, which a number of my listeners do, as you know, they do this swimming through lakes, this open water kind of stuff. Well, I mean, I couldn't do that if you paid me. Seriously, there is no amount of money on God's earth, million pound or otherwise, that would ever get me swimming in these lakes. And they do it as part of marathon training, and it becomes like a great race. You do a bit of cycling, then you do this this open water... St- oh, not me at all. So this poor guy goes out there, and uh, he's attacked by a 12-foot-long bull shark. Now, 12 feet long is about... Probably about the length of this studio, I should imagine. And, yes, it's probably about the length of this studio. These things are enormous. And if you're in the water and you're sort of snorkelling, you don't see these things. They see you long before you see them. And they circle. I've seen people turning sharks upside down. Have you seen this? Where they send them to sleep. And they stroke them and the shark turns over and it goes to sleep. Well, I wouldn't risk that. 
I've seen people being bitten in two, not seen physically, but heard of people being bitten in two by these great white sharks. This was only a bull shark. Anyway, he suffered multiple bite wounds and died 45 minutes after being heaved out of the water. I mean, a military police spokesman in the French territory, which is 750 miles from Australia, said the attack was savage and sudden. Bull sharks are one of the most aggressive members of the species and are especially dangerous because they crew shallow water. I mean, you see, the trouble is, you ca- I mean, can't really blame the shark, can you? It's just doing what it, what, what it does. What they do is come in to bite to see what happens. They don't know until they bite something. That's why they make mistakes and bite surfboards and stuff like that, because to them it looks like a seal upside down. And so they bite something. Once they've worked out what it is, then they'll, they'll go back in again, because they can. once they've got the, the scent of blood, and I'm assuming once they bit him the first time, blood would have seeped into the water, and that's when it would have just carried on attacking, because it then rips the flesh. They don't just take a big chunk out, they rip. You see them doing it. They shake their heads from side to side. But it was only doing what's not... They probably hadn't had the faintest idea he was a diver or that he was French or anything else like that. It just sees it as, uh, as somebody being, you know, in the water and their, their food. Poor soul. Dreadful way to die. Dreadful way to die. But I think you know that, don't you? When you, when you climb into the water, I think you're, you're aware that there could be things in there that might not be particularly... Uh, beneficial to you. And uh, I would think a 12-foot bull shark would be one of them. That would absolutely frighten me a huge amount. So I just I just wouldn't do it. I just wouldn't do it at all. Uh, other stories in the papers today. Has anybody seen Glee before? I used to watch Glee. I was quite disappointed that the bloke in the wheelchair isn't actually in a wheelchair. He's just acting. I thought that was the whole idea. I thought they were genuinely these people. But I've seen him standing up, so he looks okay. Also, Whistle has stopped. Now, you might not know who Whistle are. It's a Dutch-owned company, formerly known as TNT. They used to go out on these, and I'd never seen them in London. These little machines, uh, which are, um, um, what's it? What are they called? It's It's like a little thing with wheels on. And they, they stand on it and it goes round. I'm assuming it's electronic or something like that. And so they had 2,000 staff. Uh, they've now suspended deliveries. And so I'm assuming that 2,000 people are under threat of redundancy at the moment. But I've, I've seen these little wheel things and they whiz around on them. But I've never seen it. So Whistle has now suspended their door-to-door deliveries. Not so good, is it? Not so good at all for the 2,000 people there. And they have been told, in no uncertain terms, that, um, that in fact, their, their jobs really are at risk. So that's why they've actually suspended everything. So uh, bad news. Bad news for them, I'm afraid. Uh, Brian says, I like the oatmeal biscuits. I'm not, you know, given the choice, I'm not a biscuit fan. I'm not, I mean, I do eat biscuits, but I'm not, I'm not that often. I'm not really a fan of them. I can I could quite happily live without biscuits. Uh, Steve, uh, you have solved the marriage problem for two lovely people this morning, Harry and Jordan. Both want kids. Heaven help the future royal family. Do you remember at one time she did think that she could be a member of the royal family? You had to laugh at the at the sheer audacity. Uh, 84850, Steve at lbc.co.uk. Um, uh, Sue Ann says, I would love a life of privilege. Mary Berry is an inspiration. Yes, I think she is. Well, she, she certainly gets, gets people uh, cooking in the kitchen, which is, which is great. And if, and if you get people cooking, 
then that's that's something good, isn't it? Well, I think it's good. Doesn't encourage me to cook, but I do I do love the idea that if I had a big enough kitchen, I might attempt to do cooking. Might attempt to do cooking. I probably wouldn't actually. Uh, if Sally does get divorced, at least she won't get half of the grace and favour apartment. Well, no, I mean she doesn't even want to um, to stay there. Uh, she really doesn't want to to stay there at all. She, in fact, she lives in uh, in Battersea. She lives in Battersea and uh, and seems to uh, and seems to enjoy it. Although, judging by the pictures in the uh, papers today, uh, she's uh, she's in a terrible state. But there again, it's of her own doing. Of her own doing. Uh, right, quickly. There's uh, another piece in the paper today. I was going to... Uh, do a pe- let's do a- Sorry? Oh, yes, the news. I knew there was some, there was some, sorry. I was kind of... I was wandering away in my own little world without even bothering to look at the clock this morning. I thought it was a bit like Las Vegas. Uh, quarter past five. With the headlines, Lisa as if... Nick Ferrari this morning. One of the most successful Johnsons joins Nick in the studio. Put your questions to London Mayor, the MP of Uxbridge and Ryslip, and our political cabinet attendee, Boris Johnson. Meanwhile, three days removed from his post-defeat resignation, Nigel Farage decides to lead UKIP again. Does that spell the beginning of the end for the party? We hear from the man who beat him in South Thanet. And the former singer and beauty queen who took Ed Ball's seat will chat to Nick too. I didn't know who she was either, I'm afraid. That's Nick with you this morning after the morning news with Lisa Aziz. Looking at the papers, Glenn O'Glaser. The uh, the cheating Sally Burko, Sally the Burke, uh, rumbles on. You won't believe the other family. And uh, this is uh, Erica's mother is a lady called... Erica is the woman, Erica Scott Young, who's married to Alan Burko, and they have two children. One of them, wait for this, is a rugby player who's six foot three inches tall uh dubbed the team's enforcer and the the mother uh she says really um she's talked about uh sally burko she said she doesn't want to be a a media whore she says but she's the one talking to the media and prolonging it and i don't understand why in brisbane where erica grew up her mother says she's obviously a nutter She's brought disgrace on the British Parliament, running around having flings with other people and badly hurting my daughter along the way. She should stick her head down in the ground and keep it there. She obviously loves being in the limelight, standing there enjoying it as the cameras go off around her. Oh, she revels in it. She absolutely gets off on it. She always has done. She's a dreadful person. Absolutely dreadful person. She's, uh, she's always been publicity hungry. You watch tomorrow, she'll come out with sort of mascara. It's all carefully orchestrated. But to be honest with you, I mean, uh, wouldn't give you threepence for her. Wouldn't give you threepence. Kevin the Milkman, yes, you could possibly be the only man in London who hasn't bumped into Sally Burko. <laughs> you have to laugh, don't you, really? Because it's, it's other people's misery. The one we feel sorry for is John Burko. We see, feel no sympathy for Sally Burko at all. Couldn't care less about her. Dreadful old woman. Really dreadful. Uh, on the subject of uh, great white sharks, uh, there's a map which Phil has sent me where there are great white sharks. They look at the French coast and the Mediterranean, a bit close to home. Thank you. You see, I mean, I'm, well, there's nothing that would get me to go, I mean, seriously, nothing at all, nothing on God's earth, you know, that would ever get me to go swimming in the ocean. As far as I'm concerned, I was meant to be on dry land, and uh, there are things in the ocean which are meant to be in the ocean. You know, the day that the white shark moves onto land and starts building houses, I'll go and live in the ocean. But at the moment, it's not going to happen. Uh, the Farage farce in the papers today, he's back just three days after he quit. Um, somebody says he needs to take a break. Which is just, is, is it going to change anything? Is it going to change anything? I don't know. Will he be talking to Boris today? He's going to be with Nick Ferrari. The answer is yes. I loved it when he turned up at uh, number 10 Downing Street. He did look like a badly made bed. 
or a sack of potatoes. And he turned up and then he turned around and waved as if it was a, you know, a Winston Churchill kind of pose. That's what it looked like to me. That's what it looked like. And uh, various people have been sort of moved up. And uh, Grant Shapps has been dumped as Tory chairman. There's a big demotion there. Pretty. Plain speaking, pretty. This is Pretty Patel. This is the, uh, the woman who backs the death penalty. Don't quite understand why. We've already discussed at length the death penalty uh, on LBC over the years. And we've all decided that it, there's no, it's no deterrent. It doesn't deter people at all. If somebody's going to go out and commit an, an act which, uh, which warrants the death penalty, uh, even having the death penalty there wouldn't make any difference. You know, as we've highlighted in other countries, the death penalty in Bali if you're caught druggling, uh, druggling smugs, smuggling drugs, and, uh, and, and still people do it. And so they execute people. And they, they seem surprised. Oh, right, you know, you've, you, you're going to be executed. Why? Because you struggled £1.6 million worth of cocaine. I still receive paper tax returns. Steve, do you really? I haven't had a paper tax return for ages. I send them back in the post in the envelope provided. The only time I go online is to pay them. Oh, right. I tried filling in the online form a couple of years ago and then he had a nervous breakdown. They don't do a paper VAT return. I mean, I mean they, they, they might do a tax return, but I'm, I don't know because I have an accountant, so I've got no idea. I wouldn't have that. I mean, I get a thing saying that your, you know, your tax is, is due and then, or whatever, and you've got to fill in, and then my accountant, Steve, deals with all of that. And then he writes to me and says, right, we need this, this paperwork here and that paperwork. I give it to him. He works out the tax, then he tells me how much we're paying. In fact, it reminds me, actually, coming up at the end of July, we've got more tax to pay. But I don't mind. I'm one of these people who's very good. I've worked for it. I've obviously earned it. I've got to pay it. And so we uh, so we do. We're shunning television sets to watch online as our internet use doubles in only a decade. Um, well, I don't watch online, but I do watch television. So I must be, uh, I must be part of the statistics. Uh, then they ask whether you pay bills online. Yes. I pay more bills online now. Pay my tax. Well, we just do that by an automatic transfer thing. And uh, I pay my VAT which also we fill in the form online, and most other things I do online. I don't think I've written a checkout for a few years, and I do have a checkbook. I don't think anybody's ever asked for a check. Even um, the service charge on the place where I live, I used to write out a check and send it off, but now it's all done online. Everybody does it online. You do all of these sort of things. You, um, you, you just end... I didn't realise, but gradually it's taken over my life. So if... You're one of these people who doesn't have a computer. You must be really suffering because everything is done on the computer. I know some people don't even have a mobile phone. I don't know how you get by without mobile phones. I could only, only get by with a mobile phone. In fact, we were talking about phone numbers. The producer has said that he can only remember his, his number and his parents. I, wouldn't have, I couldn't even phone my brother without my phone. I wouldn't have the faintest idea what his number was. I really wouldn't, even if I went, even because it's all stored in here. I've got, you know, about seven or eight hundred phone numbers in here, and I'm lost with that. So if this phone disappears or I don't back it up, I'm completely lost because I couldn't call anybody. Couldn't call anybody. This morning I got no service on the phone, and that, that sent me into a, into a bit of a spiral of depression for about five seconds. I love the story of a guy called Robert Worsley. Robert Worsley has a farm in Sussex. He's got about 500 acres and um, he, he, he loves living there. He likes it. You know, he loves the village that he's uh, surrounded by. He loves all of it. But he's been offered an awful lot of money 
to sell off his farmland so that they can put on houses. And he's turned the money down. Now, in this day and age, when everybody appears to be governed by money, how much you earn, what you do, uh, this man stands out like a beacon. How much do you think they've offered him for his farm? Because what they want to do is put up houses and sort of basically create another, another area, thus swallowing up the countryside. They have offered him, for his farm, £275 million. <laughs> £275 million quid, and he said, no thank you. Now, I'm sure that they will up the offer. I'm sure they will up the offer. Uh, but he says, no, I just don't want to do that. I couldn't live with myself. He said, what, so they can put up, and they're going to put up, wait for it, 10,000 houses. 10,000 houses. And he's turned down £275 million. Isn't that, I mean, I, I think that's absolutely amazing. I, of course, might not be so generous. I might have to think, wait a minute, £275 million. OK, here it is. There's the keys. We'll just move out now. Thank you very much indeed. <laughs> £275 million. Uh, the other couple in the paper today are these, uh, these silly people. Uh, this is Norman Griffiths and his wife, who's got an, an, an ASBO. Uh, she's called Mrs Nagsbo. She's a rather stupid person, and she's been in and out of uh, court. She's tormented him for more than 25 years. They've turned up on the television. They're just another little silly pair of show-offs. They're a bit like Sally the Burke, only this time he's now fled to a safe house after police escorted him from his home. I mean, he's, he's quite clearly as stupid as he looks in the paper today. She's been arrested on suspicion of assault, but was later released with no further action. And um, it's all sort of just a bit embarrassing. They're just, they're just one of life's attention seekers. We seem to be surrounded by them all the time. Now, you open up the papers and there's another attention seeker. Uh, Steve, battling severe insomnia all month, fell into bed at 9pm last night and had a sleep from the gods and then woke up and you came on in tip-top form. It actually feels good to be alive. Of course it is. Actually, isn't that great? You know when you do climb into bed? And I climbed into bed last night, I made a couple of phone calls, climbed into bed and my, I, once my head hits the pillow, I'm gone. I mean, within seconds. You could, probably, you could probably time me, I should imagine. Generally speaking, I'm out within five minutes. I remember nothing after five minutes. And um, and it's like, and then you wake up, and I like waking up to something that fires you, something that encourages you to get out of bed. Not sort of you know the mamby pambies of this world. You go, oh, Sally Burko is a really nice woman. No, she's not. She's a vile cheater. She's a cheater. She deserves to be. Uh, she deserves to be taken out and flogged, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, well, either sh- either she's going to divorce him or he's going to divorce her. I think he's far too uh, polite and discreet to say anything at all at the moment. Uh, the time is five thirty. Steve Allen on LBC. Morning, everybody. Tuesday, 12th of May, 26 minutes to 6. There's a a flat for sale in one of the London papers today in the Metro. And I'll tell you how much it costs. It's 1.1 million. It's it's not a huge flat. It's, uh, you know, it's light and airy. And it's got a service charge of £2,000 a year, which is actually quite reasonable. Actually quite reasonable, but compared to what some service charges are. It's two-bedroom, it's in Clapton, in north-east London. And when, when the bloke bought it, and he bought it a few years ago, and it's about 2,400 square feet. It's one of 21. It was built in 1910. And then the tin boxes used to package toy cars were produced there. It was a factory. And anyway, they've now turned it into these nice flats. Anyway, uh, a guy called Karim bought his apartment, and he was the second resident to move in, and he's been there ever since. 
and he doesn't work. Because the apartment is self-financing. When he moved in, he got a, a letter drop from a location agency to all the flats. And a location agency is basically a company who say, we're looking for new locations to add to our books. And they can film all sorts of things there. So, in other words, you rent your place out to them. And he said sometimes it could be as, as many as 40 people who turn up for a photo shoot. And, in fact, his apartment is very popular. They first filmed a McDonald's advert there. Uh, he's had Gloria Honeyford, the late Rick Mail, uh, Kirsty Walk interviewed George Michael there because it's got that appeal that people move in there and there's lots of room for them to move them out. And they set up the cameras and the celebrities sit there. It doesn't matter the fact it's not their apartment. It's used. They do exactly the same thing in the Come Dine With Me. If it's a celebrity whose house, you know, is, isn't really worth seeing, then they'll, they'll generally move to another location. They have various places that they can go to. Or if the celebrity doesn't want their own house seen on the telly. I think Biggins had that. Biggins' uh, place wasn't on the telly. They gave him another place. Because if you remember, he was doing an interview with me for In Conversation. Then he was going off to film that later on. So I'll, I'll look forward to seeing some of the other ones. I think Jeff Brazier said he was going to do one. But I'm sure he's done one before. Perhaps he's moved house now, because the last one was a little bit pokey. But this particular flat, 1.1 million. And he said it, it brings in it brings in money. And that's all you can hope for. So, in fact, the house that they've used in Downton Abbey, I think, which was Maggie Smith's house, that's up for sale as well, for about 3.5 million, 3.7 million. And they've used that before, but as they're not going to make any more Downton Abbeys, and uh, it's not going to feature, it doesn't make any difference. But still a lovely house. So if you've got a nice house in the country, or a big flat, and there's parking and stuff like that, well then, in fact, they don't even worry about the parking, because they just go to the council, and the council cone off bits of the road so that all the lorries can move in there. And they do it all over London. They probably do it where you are at the moment, even in Scotland, as far up as Scotland, they do things like that. And uh, it provides a nice income for people. People end up, you know, doing very well out of it. And the companies always put your place back as they found it, which is good. Good, isn't it? So if you're thinking about it, if you've got an unusual house, that's even better. Even better. Uh, 84850, steve at lbc.co.uk. Kevin the Milkman says 275 million for the farm. He said, I'd like to think I'd say no like the farmer did. But I must admit, in reality, I couldn't phone Pickford's fast enough. <laughs> Do you know, I'm absolutely on your side. I mean, it's a bit too much to turn down, isn't it? 200. I mean, I, I could wrestle with my conscience for ages. But for £275 million, I'll sell my soul to the devil. Talking about animals in the wild, down with Bear Grylls. Watched his programme in all innocence to see what Mike Tyndall was like. Oh, God, boring. In fact, he hasn't won anything he's ever been on, has he, really? He's now discovered reality shows. You're going to be bored with him. But he doesn't actually make any impact, so it doesn't really matter. And they were people eating rats. Should be banned. Um, yeah, but it's it's a survival programme. <laughs> what do you think they're going to be eating? Sort of pop down to the uh, to the local to the local sort of McDonald's on this island. No, they had to bring pigs in, didn't they? And they have to catch and kill things. And I'm assuming you can eat rat. I, mean, I personally wouldn't want to. But there again, you know, if you go on a reality show and they say part of it is going to be eating things which you wouldn't normally touch, then you have to accept that. If you're accepting the fee, you have to do it. We had to, to pull Anne Whittaker apart the other day because they asked her to skin a, some animal or something or do a pheasant. No, I won't. You know, she becomes quite adamant about it. You think, but you're on a programme which is talking about survival. Either you're playing the game or you're just a fraud. And of course, in Ma'am Whittacombe's case, she's just a fraud. She's just doing it for the fee. She's not doing it because she wants to uh, to change, you know, her life or anything like that. It's just a fee. It's something it's either that or she will do a... 
She'll do a pantomime, I suppose. Uh, the subject of bull sharks, very aggressive. Very aggressive, says Bill. One of the few fish that can both live in salt and river water. Bull sharks are caught up to 200 miles upriver in both the States and Australia, as well as the Amazon. Great whites, of course, will be found in relatively warm water. Have been known in the Med. Last sighting of a great white in the Med was in the 70s. They used to follow the giant tuna, now almost extinct. Have you seen the size of tuna? They're enormous. They're they're like the size of, of sharks. They really are absolutely huge. Huge, huge, huge. Uh, 84850, uk. Uh, Jackie is uh, up this morning in Paddock Wood, which is always good. It's always nice. I mean, the weather yesterday, I don't think it was too bad. It wasn't as hot as I thought it was going to be. They, they were saying yesterday, it's going to be the heat wave and you're going to end up with 71 degrees. And I thought, oh, dreadful. You know me, anything that involves some sort of heat, and I just, I can't do it at all. I've tried, but uh, I was talking to Darren earlier on, and we were both saying exactly the same thing, that we just don't do heat. We don't do heat. Vegas, you go to Vegas. If you've never been to Vegas before, you better brace yourself, because you're going to walk, literally, out of your hotel, and, well, you walk off the aircraft, and bang. You seriously think that somebody's firing a heat gun at you. It's like that. It's a wall of intense heat. I think Florida was the only place that I remember climbing into the shower, walked outside to get in an air-conditioned car, and the roof was down in the car. The top of my head was burnt in about five minutes, and the sweat was pouring off me. Dreadful place. (laughs) Dreadful place. (laughs) Oh, dear. Uh, What else we got here? This is um, uh, Madame Two Swords. Madame Two Swords make the paper today. What have they done? They've recreated the Empire Strikes Wax. And they've got Chewbacca. It's a good line, isn't it? Chicken ching Over there, thank you. Another one fell off the end. And they've got uh, R2-D2. Not too much wax on there. And uh, very lifelike. Very lifelike. So they're all there. It's, uh, this is Madame Two Swords. It's called the Star Wars Experience. Oh, you've got to pay extra for this one. This is £24.75 for an adult. And children, £21.60. Blimey, that's going to be a lot of money, isn't it? A lot of money. Just for Star Wars. Second thoughts, maybe I'll give that one a miss. I'll just look at the nice pictures in the paper and in, enjoy those ones. The front page story on the front of the uh, Mirror today is an NHS funding scandal. The Mirror have now got to try and do as many dirties as they possibly can now that their backing of the Labour Party failed so miserably. And so they're doing a, a knock the NHS. And this is a, a dad. He's selling his house to buy a drug to save his girl from a rare illness. Bethany Henry, his nine, has tumours that spark fits, but the NHS refused help. Uh, He said red tape may kill her. Now, I haven't read the entire story, so I'm not too sure why she doesn't qualify. But uh, it's hard enough to deal with. They know that there is a drug available, so he's put his house on the market to fund this £36,000 a year treatment which will combat this very rare genetic disorder that's left her with tumours on her brain, her liver and her right kidney. Her doctor prescribed anti-cancer drug, I think it's Everolimus, which will shrink her growth and stop the fits. She suffers, suffers up to 50 times a day. But the National Institute of Clinical Excellence, which has licensed the medicine, will not approve it for use on her condition because it's too rare. That's why they're not offering it. It's not been approved. It's one of these drugs that they say, no, it's, it's not approved. Yet in a bizarre Catch-22 situation, NHS England also turned down Luke's appeal for exceptional funding to buy the drug because 30 other TSC implied that means it needs to decide 
a policy. He says, without this drug, my daughter will be given a death sentence. She could die because of NHS red tape. It should be made available. I'm assuming it's a terribly, terribly expensive drug and they don't have the money in the NHS. That, that's what it comes down to. And also the fact that it hasn't been licensed. She's, uh, she's staying fairly, fairly cheerful, this little girl here. And uh, the, the Health Service Journal reported the delay had led to at least two absolutely preventable deaths. So they don't have the money and they don't have the approval to go ahead with it. So consequently, uh, she's in a catch-22 situation. I bet it doesn't come down to him selling the, uh, the house. They'll have come up with, with something that can, uh, can help him out. Um, other stories, apart from, uh, apart from Sally Burko. Ridiculous here. Alan can do just whatever he wants and she sucks it up. She's really having a dig at everybody. It's, of course, you know, poor me, poor me, poor me. But of course, it'll be poor you with nobody very, very shortly. 275 million. When you look at this, this farmer's house, uh, it's a beautiful house. And he's got all this land. I think it's, yeah, it's 100 times the market value, which is very unusual, isn't it? If they were building a railway, they'd have just done compulsory purchase. Because they want to do it privately, 10,000 houses, you know, £275 million, they're going to make their money back in oodles. Oodles and oodles. Bad driving habits. We've all got bad driving habits. What, what's your one? I can tell you my one is singing at the wheel. And, and apparently, revving the engine at traffic lights. Who revs the engine at traffic lights? Surely nobody with half a brain cell. Also using the wrong gear. I've done that when I've had a manual car. My car, luckily, is not manual, it's automatic. But I have done that before where I've, I've put it into the wrong gear. And, of course, you then stall, which is very embarrassing. Apparently, a study found 636 million litres of fuel were burnt due to poor skills, but drivers could take simple steps to cut their petrol bills by 10%. One in ten drivers said fuel efficiency was a top concern in the study. It's another one of these company things, so I'm not going to mention the company because it's of no interest to anybody. But uh, I don't really care, actually. I don't really care. I don't have a thing in my car that says how much fuel I've used, apart from I can see the petrol gauge dropping down by the, by the minute if you go on a long journey. If you put the air conditioning on, or air cooling system, as I think I've got, uh, then you can watch the, uh, the thing dropping at the, at the same time. So I just accept the fact that it costs a lot of money to, to drive anywhere nowadays. Quarter to six. Steve Allen on LBC. Certainly is. Tuesday the 12th of May, Noreen says, uh, it definitely wasn't very warm yesterday, but just right for driving in. I remember being in Miami some years ago and you could bite the heat. It was so hot and humid. And then we had a torrential downpour. We were in the middle of nowhere and were saturated. Worst ever humidity, Cairns in Australia. You could barely walk. Well, I was a bit like that in, uh, in Las Vegas. It's, I mean, it really is. I mean, if, if you've never experienced heat like it, it's just, it's relentless. So you walk out of the hotel, it's almost like being stuck behind somebody's exhaust pipe on a car. It's pumping out that, that much and it's just there. It just hits you. It's a wall. You don't go out without a bottle of water. And me, with my sort of problems, it makes it, it just exacerbates the situation. But I've now found out what makes you fat. OK, brace yourself for this. It's not the amount of food that you put into your body. It's not the amount of booze that you have. What do you think it is that makes you fat? Not your metabolism. No, nothing to do with food, nothing to do with drink. No, apparently, if you have a light in your bedroom on at night, it makes you fat. According to the paper. Thank God. No, it's not in the Express. That's in the mirror. So it must be true. 
So if you have a light at the... So there we are. We've solved the problem, ladies and gentlemen. If you want to be thin, don't bother with diets. Turn the light off in the bedroom. Because, here we go, hands up, truth time. I have my light on all night. I sleep with lights on. I cannot remember the time that I turned the light off in the bedroom. So I know that seems... Does that seem odd? Perhaps I'm a bit older than I thought, actually. I thought it was quite normal. But there again, you're listening to a person who changes their socks every day. Um, And so I've never, ever... Every change, yes, I mean, I'm, I'm sorry, I throw them away, I do beg your pardon, and, and don't, don't recycle, because nobody wants, they're not even going to make tea cosies. But I don't, I, I don't think I've ever turned the light off in the bedroom. And I think it goes back to childhood, because when I was a child, my parents say, night, night, turn the light off in the bedroom and shut the door. And I'd creep up and open the door a little bit. I needed to see a little, a little shaft of light just to make sure I was with the real world. I didn't like being shut in a box with no lights on, it was too frightening. And if ever you had the curtains open, you could see sometimes when the wind... And you'd see the shape of a tree in the window, like a shadow. That used to frighten me as well. No, that was last week. Uh, so I don't turn the light off, so the bedroom light stays on. I mean, the bulbs are very good, you know, nowadays. I've had this latest one for quite a few years. Haven't changed it at all. In fact, I can always tell if something's going on, because all of a sudden the light goes off. But uh, I don't turn it off. And now they're saying... Even if you've got a mobile phone, and I wouldn't dream of having the mobile phone in the bedroom, it could be making you fat. In a study of mice, God, it's always mice, isn't it? Fed identical diets, the rodents exposed to the most artificial light gained weight. And apparently, the increasing prevalence of obesity is associated with a disrupted sleep-wake pattern in humans and coincides with the availability of artificial light. Well, I mean, I do have a sleep pattern like that. I very rarely go all the way through. I do sort of, I mean, I I am a a toss-and-turn person. I can hold my hands up and tell you that now without fear of contraception. I can tell you immediately that I have uh, no problem with sort of waking up and then I sort of readjust my sleeping. But because the light, perhaps I should try it with the light off, but I don't like to. I'm a bit frightened about that. I might have to double lock the front door. I I just don't, I've got a fear about something happening. You know, people used to say to you years ago, you know, be careful of earwigs because they crawl into your ear at night and then they make a nest and lay eggs. And they eat your brain from the inside. I thought, oh, no, I'm going to have to sleep with my hands over my ears all night. But apparently, uh, so that's what it is. Clear implications. Light in bedroom at night make you fat. Turn light off, become thin. I don't want to get too thin, do you, really? <laughs> Not really. Well, I don't know. How thin do you want to be? Depends how long you're going to leave the light off. Um, 84850, steve at lbc.co.uk. I used to deliver next door to Biggins' house in Hackney, Steve, says Kevin. And uh, he says here, on my round, I serve a few houses that are used on television, especially around Brick Lane. Sam hates me watching TV with a delivered milk bear. You know, that road doesn't come out there. That's not the name of that road. My latest annoyance is the McDonald's advert. The estate is in Shoreditch, but the branch the old man and the boys end up is in Canning Town. I know. They do fit. They do cheat like that. It's they they were filming some, uh, in fact, on Little Britain. The toy shop that they used in in Little Britain was in Church Street. It's not there anymore. It's become uh, part of a very successful wine bar next to a very successful Italian restaurant. And uh, and I used to laugh because you'd see them in there. Then they'd come outside and they were somewhere completely different. They weren't in Church Street at all. And I thought, well, I know that that, that shop is in Church Street, so you're quite right. But that would be really annoying, wouldn't it? That would be really, really annoying to sit there saying with somebody, I've delivered milk. That, that's not right. That road leads to, you go round the corner. I know where that is exactly. See, I, I, I do that as well. 
I do that as well. I'm I'm very, very good, actually. <laughs> I wonder if the disturbed sleep from an annoying cat is the same as the light. I don't think so. Um, I don't know, actually. I, I, would, I wouldn't know the answer to that one. I would, or care. Or care. Uh, there's a person in the paper today. Now, I can't remember why I don't know enough about this person. His name is... Is it Carl Frosch? He's, he's a boxer. And he's in the paper today, um, mainly because I didn't know anything about him. He sort of he sort of came out and he beat somebody last year, and then that was it. But I don't I don't know enough about him for him to sort of warrant being in the newspapers. I'm not I'm sure he's important enough. But um, apparently his uh, his his wife uh, his wife wait a minute oh, his, his fiance is called I don't know what his fiance is called actually. What is his fiance called? Uh, he's got a two-year-old daughter. His son Rocco is four. His two-year-old daughter Natalia, and he relinquished his WBA World Super Middleweight title last week after not making a defence in the last year. Has no fight scheduled, and his promoter Eddie Hearn said at the weekend we may never see the man nicknamed the Cobra in the ring again. His uh, fiance Rachel is four months pregnant. Oh, she's a she's a glamour model. Of course she is. <laughs> That's kind of the extent of it, isn't it, really? Whenever you see somebody and they go, oh, what do you do? Glamour model. Lovely. Lovely here. So he's, he's not going to be boxing again, and Baby 3 could end his career. I wasn't... See, the trouble is, where he sort of came from, I wasn't even aware it was a career. But apparently it is. Apparently it is. There was the other story in the paper today about the drug-beating typhoid, now a global threat. This is a typhoid superbug that has spread across Asia and America is now a global threat. The growth of the multi-drug-resistant H58 strain has been tracked in 63 countries over 20 years, found in 47% of samples, and one expert said it was rapidly spreading around the world. Vanessa Wong at the Wellcome Trust Sanger Institute near Cambridge led a team of 74 scientists. She said global surveillance at this scale is critical to address the ever-increasing health threat in many, of the many developing countries. Typhoid actually is an infection uh, bug linked to contaminated water, as you're probably aware. Uh, affects about 30 million people a year, so it's not to be taken lightly. And that's why if you're, if ever you're going to somewhere like, uh, like India, they always say, or any of those sort of countries, do not have ice in your drinks because the chances are it's been made with contaminated water. Don't have salads, because the chances are it's been washed in contaminated water. Here they are, the uh, the Poundland version of Posh and Bex. Little Lucy Mecklenburg, the intelligent one, and Lewis Smith. That's the dirty one who appears on the, uh, on the phone internet, ladies and gentlemen. And uh, they've been uh, exhibiting their, their bodies for the purposes of I cannot imagine what... But as I say, they are the Poundland version of Posh and Bex. I mean, you'd never get that with Victoria Beckham, would you? I mean, you really wouldn't. Can you ever see Victoria Beckham tweet? I mean, she might tweet some rubbish, but she's never going to tweet a picture of her bottom. Mainly because I think people are, you know, <laughs> to stop themselves being ill, I should imagine. Uh, still keeping the, um, the, uh, the stag do going. Apparently, Mark Wright, who's budgeted 150 grand for this do... As if he's paying for it. It's paid for by a magazine, so there's no sort of no sort of coughing up at all on this one. Uh, Mary Berry, not very impressed with the racy frock that Lizzie Cundy was wearing at the BAFTAs. Uh, Lizzie told anybody who'll listen, because nobody really takes any notice of her, she told me I needed to cover up and should put some proper clothes on. Yeah, she's a bit old for that kind of thing, aren't you, Lizzie? And what were you doing at the BAFTAs, dear? It's nothing to do with you. It's for people on television. 
OK? Not people who sort of just hang around trying to hope that a bit of glitter rubs off on their shoulders. I mean, really, don't, don't turn up to things like that. And stop making an exhibition of yourself. You're not, you know, that's not your, not your sort of thing. Not your sort of thing at all. So, so try not to embarrass yourself ever again. Just stay in. Uh, people suffering strokes now. The age group has gone down. It used to be older people. I keep seeing this thing on the television, talking about strokes and how to recognise the signs. Now they say that people in their 40s and 50s, I got them out of that range, uh, has now doubled stroke victims turning up. 6,221 men treated for the condition last year, up 46%. The Stroke Association, John Barrack, has branded the rise alarming. He said, this shows that strokes can no longer be seen as a problem of older people. We have to... Do you know, you've got no idea what's going on in your body, have you? So you've got no idea what's going to sort of grab you when you get to your mid-30s or 40s or 20s. Well, any age group now, isn't it? Any age group, you can be affected by something. You think, oh, I don't know. I'm constantly checking my body. It's quite good, actually, I think. And, uh, and I'm, I'm, I think you should check your body. If you don't, if you don't check it, you know, then you're not going to notice anything unusual. There was one particular thing in one of the papers today which was saying how how difficult it is for people to know exactly when a stroke is going to strike. You have to, you have to just be very, very careful. Very careful. But you don't know. You get the warning signs, and then you've obviously got to let people know and get yourself to hospital as quick as possible. So, uh, so that's it. Call an ambulance, I think. That'd be my first port of call. Coming up to the news at six o'clock, and this morning, divorce me, John, or I'll divorce you. That's uh, Sally the Burke. She's back again, this time milking the publicity for all she can, but unfortunately all of her own making. Uh, the bus advert featuring a, wo- a woman saying, ride me all day for £3 in Cardiff, has been scrapped. Uh, Kelly Brooks on the hunt for a new acting job. I think it's going to be a bit, uh, a bit rare, that one. Lord Sugar quits Labour. Nigel Farage has rejoined UKIP. And then he came out and then he went back in again. All very confusing. Eric Pickles has been dropped... Uh, the hidden cost of direct debit that the insurers do not tell you about. And uh, if you want a tasty meal, turn your plate round. Apparently it tastes better on the other side. It's LBC. I'm Steve Allen. On. This is LBC, leading Britain's conversation with Steve Allen. Tweet at LBC. Text 84850. Steve Allen. On LBC. Morning, everybody. Five minutes past six. Tuesday, the 12th of May. This year is rocketing for... I mean, I've, seriously. I'm totally convinced I'm going to be celebrating Christmas in a couple of months' time. Wait a minute. I am going to be celebrating Christmas in a couple of months' time. So, uh, Kim Marsh has split from her fiancé, as we predicted on LBC. Uh, Sally Burko saying, apparently, divorce me, John, or I'll divorce you. She really is not pleasant. Prince Harry confesses he'd love to have kids right now. Slight problem, no girlfriend or even one on the horizon. Uh, The advert featuring a woman saying, ride me all day for £3, it was advertising the bus company, uh, has been scrapped. Everybody says it was very sexist. And um, Lord Sugar quits Labour. All of that more on the front pages this morning. And uh, if you want the tasty meal, rotate the plate. Because I do that. I mean, I've been doing that for ages. I, mind you, I leave my light on in the bedroom. It's come as a lot of uh, good news to many of you who are battling with your weight. You've now decided that it's so much easier that all you've got to do is turn the light off in the bedroom and the weight starts falling off. This was after they did an experiment with, with mice. Whether or not the mice had their own mobile phones, I have no idea. But mice, apparently, if they were exposed to artificial light and kept on the same diet as mice who were kept in the dark... Uh, the mice with the artificial light 
put on weight. Now, as I've just admitted to you, I sleep with the light on. I'm quite able to... And I learnt to do it at LBC. And the reason I learnt to do it at LBC was many, many, many years ago. Um, I did a, an overnight programme, but I got a break of an hour at the end of it before I had to come back and just and wrap things up. And so I would literally just lie down on the floor and, and catnap. I'm very good at catnap. I can sleep anywhere. So I could just lie down on a floor and go to sleep. So the lights didn't bother me in the slightest. And now that's the, that's the reason for my being overweight. Um, the headline, I know my dad's proud of me. I'm so sad he can't see me get wet. This is Declan Donnelly. Uh, his dad died uh, a few years ago now. He died fighting cancer. And, of course, people always think about that, don't they? They always think, oh, you know, I wish my mum was there or my dad was there. And so he doesn't have his, his dad anymore. He says, there's always someone you're going to miss. And for me, it's my dad. I hoped he would see me marry. My mum will be there, though, and all the family. Can't wait to see what his family looked like. I bet we're in for a shock. I can remember seeing other people at, at other weddings and going, good Lord, that's the family, is it? Uh, but they want to go uh, somewhere hot. He has no idea what's happening on his, uh, on his stag do. He said, uh, they haven't talked about having kids. He said, we're just taking as it comes along. There's no rush. Because his, uh, his girlfriend is his agent. So who knows you better than your agent? The answer is nobody. Uh, missing... Dr- oh, no, I don't want to do that story. I've just realised. <laughs> Sorry. I just realised it was a little bit sort of... Uh, not rude, but the kind of thing you don't want to hear about at this time of the morning. Uh, a bit shocked, says Ian Highland. Uh, the thought of sacking Louis Walsh from the X Factor. If you thought that was the worst thing Simon Cowell did, you should have seen the Irish fella over the weekend. This was on Saturday's edition of Britain... It's got talent. The way they treated 16-year-old bedroom dancer Dylan Bird, who was way overweight, way overweight, was at best patronising, at worst, utterly exploitative. Well done, he says, to Alicia Dixon for not going along with it. And read the former policeman, whose audition was a Beyoncé tribute act. When he was on the beat, did he used to walk around saying, Halo, halo, halo. (laughs) But looking at this sort of Irish dancer, I mean, way too fat for doing something. I mean, do these people not have any idea? This is an act that is going to be going in front of Her Majesty the Queen. She has seen every living star in her 89 years, and you're going to put some fat, overweight youngster on who does an Irish jig. It's not good enough, I'm afraid. Not good enough. Mind you, not good enough is American Idol. It's been axed. Uh, after its 15th season, which will be next year. So they've got one more season. It's a, a pop music contest. Started on Fox in 2002. Made Simon Cowell a household name in America as a judge alongside Paula Abdul and Randy Jackson. The format uh, was based on the pop idol here. And at its height, it pulled in more than 30 million viewers. Which got them, you know, people like Kelly Clarkson and Carrie Underwood. He left in 2010 to start the rival US X Factor, which lasted three seasons. So perhaps the America, America, because they they got them after us. I think ours are just dragging out, aren't they? Ours are just being dragged out because we've we've suddenly realised that most of the people appearing on the X Factor you will have seen before. They've actually been on the programme before. They just bring them back. But of course, Simon can't remember. So he says. I think sneakily, I think he remembers these things. He'll go, oh, we've seen you before, haven't we? Or somebody else on the panel will say, yeah, we've seen you before. We saw you a couple of years ago. And you think you've improved? You haven't. And on the, uh, on the, on the talent programme, we've proved long since that we don't have any talent. The last bit of talent we had was Pudsey. The rest of it has just been a pale imitation. Pale imitation. I must say happy birthday to somebody. I don't often do happy birthdays, but uh, my ex-producer, Mandy Siegel, uh, who married one of my contributors, uh, celebrates her birthday 
today. So many happy returns of the day, Mand. We bumped into each other a, a short while ago, actually. Which I was, when I say bumped into, she was walking the pavement, I drove the car at her. It's that kind of thing. <laughs> we get on very well, actually. Uh, the Daily Mirror, front page. Corrie Kim, love split. No big surprise. We predicted that a while ago. And now your iPhone is making you fat. And this is the same thing I was telling you about, this artificial light. And your iPhone has got the artificial light on it and that makes you fat. What a fabulous excuse. I'm terribly sorry, I can't come and see you today because I've got lights in the bedroom. Lights in the bedroom. The NHS funding scandal, and it's not really a scandal if you read into this story properly, is the man who's selling up, selling his house to buy a drug to save his girl from a rare illness. It's a drug that's not passed here. It's also, I should imagine, terribly, terribly expensive, but he thinks that's the drug that can save his child uh, from having these fits, any up to about 50 a day she can have. So he says, I'm selling my house to buy drug to save my girl. It's uh, been backed by a few celebrities. Front of the sun this morning, uh, Ibiza, Ed, large in it, UKIP, Farage in it. Get that one? Ed Miliband jetting to Ibiza to get over Labour's poll drubbing. And Nigel Farage going back on a vow to quit, having said he was going to quit. Then apparently the, uh, the party faithful went, no, we don't want you to quit. You've got to stay. Many because they don't have anybody who probably has Nigel Farage's personality, just not the ability at the ballot box to actually get people to vote. Uh, the uh, the main uh, headline is the attention-seeking Sally Burko, who wants John to divorce her for adultery or she'll divorce him for unreasonable behaviour. The unreasonable behaviour, we have no idea, but I'm assuming it's the fact she doesn't like Westminster. And uh, again, it's poor her. She's an attention-seeker. She loves the barrage of, of uh, photographers there. And of course, he absolutely loathed it. And I think at one point she was reined in. She made some uh, comments on Twitter, which cost her dear, because she's not the brightest penny in the box. And she lives in Battersea, or Battersea, as we call it. And uh, she hates going to Westminster because people, you know, she has to go through security checks. And uh, so she allegedly had this affair with his cousin. And the cousin has now gone back to his wife. The wife has been fairly dignified. The wife's mother has maybe not been as dignified, basically saying that uh, Sally's got some huge ego and uh, loves the attention. And, of course, the idea is she absolutely loves the attention. But it's of her own making, so if they get divorced, and frankly, I couldn't care less either way whether they do or they don't, it'll be because she allegedly cheated on him with this other bloke who's now gone back to his wife. So silly old Sally, as they call her in the business... Sally the Burke is now going to be left with nothing. No husband, no nothing. No grace and favour apartment. Make your own way in the world. Make your own way. It's, uh, you know, he's got, uh, he's got great grounds, I should imagine. Prince Harry, I want kids, according to the Daily Express this morning, and someone to share my life with. Why is it that he can't find somebody to share his life with? He had one of his girlfriends for seven years, but that was on-off, wasn't it? On-off, on-off, on-off. And then he had Cressida Bonus, who went on to become an actress. So she's had the, the helping hand up the ladder. But he wants somebody to share his life with and to share the pressure. What pressure? We have no idea. I wouldn't mind a bit of pressure like that. Well, to actually go on an all-paid expenses holiday, it's not cost him a penny piece, this. It's all paid for. He goes with a group of people from Kensington Palace, they, they tweet. He doesn't even need to tweet. They tweet about him. They do absolutely everything for him. In fact, all but wipe his bottom. But uh, he's been in the army, so he's tough. He's done front line, so they tell us. But uh, now he's going to do something else. I'm not too sure what he's going to do. It's quarter past six. Steve Allen on LBC.
Morning, everybody. 6.20 is the time. It's Tuesday, the 12th of May. I was going to tell you, actually, just very briefly, who my guests are for In Conversation this Sunday. And I can tell you now, because we've just decided, that for In Conversation this coming Sunday between 5 and 6am on Sunday morning, and I'm then live from 6 until 8, and between 9 and 10 in the evening, it's going to be the fabulous Martin Shaw and the fabulous Tito Jackson. So... Two, uh, two super guests for this week's In Conversation. So uh, Martin Shaw back on the television as George Gently. And Tito Jackson, who's uh, got an album out as well. And actually, I'm going to be talking to Bill Wyman later on today. I think after 33 years, he's got a solo album out. 33 years. Good grief. We'll have a chat to uh, him a little bit later on. Uh, and Wendy says, since mentioning turning off the bedroom light... Uh, off a few minutes ago. I've just done it and lost five pounds. <laughs> Amazing, isn't it, really? By the way, it's my birthday and Maz is taking me to Fortnum's for afternoon tea and will gain at least ten pounds. Yes, I had tea, as you know, last week. Went to um, um, Langham. Uh, the Langham Hotel. It was lovely. It really is, I, I love... I love tea. I could just sit down. I could just emerge, immerse myself in a in a nice cup of tea. I'm very I'm very good with things like that. Very good, very good indeed. Uh, very quickly, uh, this is one from oh, on the subject of a of a stroke. Uh, Diana in Richmond, she says I had my stroke. It's almost like there's one waiting for everybody, isn't it? I mean, I'm 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 getting mildly panicky over this. Uh, she had it at 58. I had no warning whatsoever. I settled down to watch Corrie, completely relaxed at 7.25, and suddenly was hit by the most horrendous pain in my head. I felt as if I'd been hit in the back of the head by a cricket ball at 150 miles an hour. There was no warning whatsoever. And through a Facebook stroke group I belong to, I know so many people have their strokes in their teens, 20s and 30s. Oh, God. Does everybody get a stroke? I don't really want to, I mean, I don't really want one now. I'm getting quite, quite panic-stricken over this. I mean, I think what we should have, as, as Mary says, a zip on our bodies. And you, you sort of unzip yourself, take it all out, give it to somebody. And they almost like taking the car in for the MOT. I mean, I know you can have something similar to, a, to an MOT. But, I mean, it, but it is it's slightly worrying, isn't it? You see these things on the table, you think, oh, I, I hope to God it's not going to happen to me. I don't, I don't want anything like that. Thank you very much indeed. I don't want it. And I don't want it for anybody else either. Um... Apparently, to recognise a stroke in somebody, S-T-R, says Phil. Smile is the S. Ask them to smile. If the smile is lopsided, act. Talk. Ask them to say something like chicken soup. If it comes out like soup, act. And raise. Ask them to raise their arms. If they can't, act. Look at their tongue. If it's curled, act. If any of those is not right, call the ambulance immediately. Good. As if anybody's going to be asking, Steve, can you smile? Not really, no. Can you say anything? Uh, chicken soup. That, that could be the answer, couldn't it? Terrible, really. I mean, honestly, the, the things that are going on in my body at the moment, I've got no idea. Hopefully I won't be around when it happens. Uh, did you see the guy on the interceptors, says Malcolm, whose excuse for speeding was that he was low on fuel and wanted to reach the petrol station before it ran out. <laughs> you know, I've heard of people saying that one before. That's actually quite an old one. It's, it's quite, quite sweet, isn't it? And, uh, and uh, one that says, Steve, it's so hot. So I, I'm not one of those heat people. I think uh, Darren and myself are both non-heat people. Not heat people. And um, uh, Bill says the original Japanese version of Ninja Warrior is being reshown on Challenge TV. This is the... Um, it's, it's, it looks like um, Gladiators. It's like that, only it's hosted by Ben Shepard. 
And uh, at 4.30, he says, I wonder if the original English voiceover will be redone as it was Stuart Hall who made the witty, pithy comments. It shows the ITV version up for the cheap, nasty copy it is. Like comparing the Great Wall of China with the wall around Buckingham Palace. In the original, the production team arrived at a town, set up an enormous rig for the challenge, which they then filmed competitors going for over two days. Best thing about it, not Ben Shepherd in sight anywhere. Yes, I mean, Ben Shepherd, I think, is... We don't want to stretch him too much, do we? We don't, don't need to, uh, to do that. I think he's on the television far too often now. And uh, the difference between light... Thank you. Uh, <laughs> Lily read something out there which was terribly rude. Strange way to resign, as they say in the business. Um, another one here, very quickly. Uh, a diet full of nuts and olive oil protects the brain. Wow. And uh, vets are saying, please don't buy a rabbit. I don't... Oh, yes, I mean, do people still buy... Ra- Kevin Peterson's not going to be playing cricket ever again, is he? They told him the other day, he thought they could have just sort of phoned or something and sort of said, no, you're not going to be playing cricket ever again. They called him in to tell him that, which was a little bit rude, I thought. Front page of the uh, the Metro... This is uh, the BBC fighting for its future. The Tories' new media chief hates the licence fee. John Whittingdale, who's described the £3.7 billion a year levy as worse than a poll tax, was promoted by David Cameron yesterday to be his Secretary of State for Culture, Media and Sport. Ooh, perhaps we'll lose the licence fee. I mean, the, uh, the, uh, I suppose the argument is that they can put adverts on, but seeing as most BBC programmes seem to run adverts at the moment, I mean, some of them are actually quite blatant. I don't quite understand, but they're very good at spending our money. Perhaps they should start cutting back on the amount of staff they've got. Quite ridiculous. Uh, the weekly shop at Lidl is 15% less than Asda. The weekly shop at Lidl. 15% less than Asda. But can you get all the same things? That's what we're looking for, isn't it, all the time? We want to make sure that we can. The Daily Mail. Uh, GP's too busy to see your child. Parents are swamping A&E because they feel squeezed out by family doctors. You see, I'm such a big fan of, of local GPs. In fact, I went there yesterday, dropped my little Sharpie boxes off, and uh, they're always nice. They're always nice, all my lot. I feel a bit sorry for people that don't have sort of nice people in their GP surgeries, but I'm actually quite, uh, quite lucky. Uh, Ed's brother strikes back five years after he was knifed. David's withering verdict on the Labour defeat... And uh, Lord Sugar, Lord Sugar resigns over the uh, anti-business policies. That's just about it for this morning. And um, I'm going to record my free podcast now, which is available. All you have to do, if you go to the LBC website, lbc.co.uk, there is an app on there, the LBC podcast app. Download that, won't cost you a penny piece. And then every day you get the, uh, the free celebrity podcast sent to you. And the other podcast that we do, which is a payable one, you go to the LBC website again, and for as little as £2 a month, you can download every single thing on LBC. And there is tons. I spoke to a lovely gentleman yesterday in Twickenham, and he was listening to stuff from years ago. Years ago, which he'd recorded himself at the time. So people... And he's, he's not a, a young gentleman. He's a, a gentleman of, uh, of, of advanced years, as they say. Coming up at 7 o'clock this morning, it's Nick Ferrari. I'm Steve Allen, back with you tomorrow. Next, Lisa Aziz with the morning news. This is LBC.